Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast, hosted by Ben Wyatt, your destination for food trends, startup business talk, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Hold on though, before we start the show, don't forget that all listeners get 10% off any order from our podcast sponsor, Doggylicious. Just head over to doggylicious.com.au and use promo Retail Ready at the checkout. Enjoy the show. Scotty, appreciate you being back on the show. As as we've just found out for 15 minutes of technical difficulties, it has been two years since I last officially spoke to you while hitting record. Uh, I think we've chatted in between that, I hope. I think we must have. We did. Yeah. Emails, text messages, a good old way, a text message <laughs> and an email. <laughs> so if anyone's listening to this and would like uh, Farmer Joe cereal on your shelves, um, contact uh, Scott via letter, via pigeon. Send, send me a post, send me a postcard <laughs> in the mail. <laughs> just, just not through any uh, modern uh, communication method that has gone very simpler in the last 12 months due to COVID. But Scotty, absolute pleasure having you back on the show. I'm calling this part two of uh, the Retail Ready podcast with uh, Farmer Joe. Um, how are you? Mate, all good. All good. For the interesting uh, last two years and a very interesting last year. So uh, as we speak, I'm just driving through Mullumbimby. Ah, beautiful. Inland. I, I can't, now, now I can't leave because now because the reception up here is so shit, you can't leave town. So I'm just going to drive in circles. <laughs> until I can leave, go back to Byram, and that's the truth. Yeah, I bet. Do you do you, um, do you have five G there or not? Oh, according to the protest, there is five G, but it's not working on my phone. <laughs> and is the factory all set up now? Because I think last time we spoke, you were you were setting up or you're building it. And give us give us an overview of what you've been doing over the last two years, because I'm intrigued more so. Well, the la- last two years, so going back to when we spoke, we're, so we had, we've been up here for four years yeah. in, our, in our factory, but COVID, um, we, we, we moved our factory all back to Sydney and Melbourne. We outsourced. Did you really? Yeah, it was, uh, it was always on our mind to continually keep growing because manufacturing is not, not fun. <laughs> for anyone who loves manufacturing, it's a different mindset to how I think because you've got to really love that sort of side of the detail. Anyway, COVID, um, we had a good business until one day COVID came and the government said, everyone stay at home, we'll pay you money. And that's what they did. And in a handmade business where we rely on staff to <laughs> handmade products, we were up Shake Creek. Yeah. So there was a level of support for staff, but no real level of support for a business. Because we, we weren't going backwards, we had growth. What, what we just didn't have was the hands to help make the product. So we very yeah. quickly started to outsource uh, the business so we sent uh, a range of stuff down to melbourne like, for the bag and box stuff that was getting made down there and then all the handmade stuff went to two bakeries um, in sydney so a, a facility that uses the same kind of double rack ovens that we use to make handmade granola and we we outsourced so covid for us was a bit of a blessing because um it helps us achieve something that we wanted to achieve, but we weren't quite sure how we were going to do it until yep. it was forced upon us. 
Wow. And, and, um, and it's allowed us to grow. Yeah. So what are you going to do in the main factory now then in Mullumbimby? We've uh, passed that on. So that factory is now making gin, whiskey and tequila. Is it really? <laughs> uh, and kombucha. Kombucha wow. as well. So it's basically became a little hub for many businesses. So there's somebody making ice cream, some are making protein balls. There's a still making alcohol. Yeah. And there's also another still making kombucha. That's fantastic. So literally, you, so, you, you, yeah, you, you put your business outside of your factory and then got businesses into your factory <laughs> yes. to, to do their thing. Um, and then what we've got up here now is a small limited edition kitchen. So the fun stuff, because yeah. manufacturing is not fun. Innovation and sales and marketing, that's the fun stuff. 100% so what agree. we've done now is we've got a small kitchen up here where we do limited edition runs. So yep. we've done some with some local brands. We're doing some with the three blue ducks at the minute. Anywhere where there's a nice collaboration where we can just like, it's not about cost, it's just about <laughs> fun and innovation. So we've set up a little kitchen up here in Byron for that. Um, and that's where we do all our um, product development. And then what we've got is partnerships with other manufacturers who can help us bring these products to life and scale them up. Yeah. Because ah. um, as a small business, as you, when you get a big orders or you deal with some big people, you, you got to spend a lot of money on equipment. And um, yeah. that's just like a big black hole. Where do you stop with that stuff? You just keep pouring money in. So... And let the, and the, let the people uh, who know what they're doing do what they do yeah. well. Yeah. Man, ma- manufacturers, manufacturer. We've got a couple of really good partners who... They're great. They're everything we are not. They're meticulous. They're fastidious. It's yeah. all about getting that thing right because it's a cost. It's a it's a it's a margin product for them. So they're going to make their margin. We've got to get a product. So it's the balance. It's not about being um, cheaper or better or smarter. I wouldn't say it's, it saves us a whole lot more money, but what it saves us any capital expenditure on equipment. Yeah. Because nine times out of ten, they've already got it. Yeah. Um. And they've already got used a lot of the ingredients we use, so it's became easy. And then we've launched a lot of products. Like we we were able to launch a, a kid cereal in six weeks during COVID. Now that's fucking unheard of. Normally that sort of stuff's like three to six months. I would say like six months for a big company. Yeah, correct. And uh, normally for us about six weeks, but we did it. Uh, normally for us about kind of three three months if we really push it. Yeah. We were able to pull it off and get it done in six weeks because there was demand for it. That's fantastic. And- through through Costco and um, yeah we just COVID has been good because it you had to stop doing all the bullshit you were doing every day like getting up and just going to places just for the sake of going there because you always went there because that's the habit <laughs> it's so Whereas it's so when you were when you were told not to go there by the by the system you're like what you mean I don't have to go Correct. it's funny it's like, it was like a role reversal it's like everything you wished for was then thrust upon you when you mentally weren't ready for it. Sit in your <laughs> ass at home and we'll pay you for it. Sorry. These are all the things you dreamed about when you had like a, a fucking job. I know. I'm going, home, I, yeah, I'm going to homeschool my kids. I wonder how many parents have gone absolutely no fucking way. No. Whereas back <laughs> when you had a job, it was, it was the main topic point. I want to homeschool my children. No, you don't. Not anymore. It's so true. Ah, oh, teachers, well, easy life. <laughs> I've never been so grateful for fucking teachers. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's it's so. I just find it fascinating that the bullshit trips where you'd fly to Sydney or fly to Brisbane for a half an hour meeting to then fly back was considered the norm, and now it's <laughs> yeah. Why why are you doing that? It's like oh, yeah, yeah. 
I just uh, do a FaceTime and get the same answer and the same response as you would in person. Yeah. So, well. So much time was wasted, but I mean, there's many. But I mean, there's no many businesses uh, felt the, the 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 effects of COVID. Um, we didn't, but what it did do is it allowed us to make a lot of changes. Yeah, interesting because having a cereal brand, while more people will be at home eating cereal, what's been your views on kind of yeah, then the growth in that space and kind of the brand awareness? Have you? What have you noticed? And let's take, for example, last year. What did you see in the um, the growth, and where did you see the growth occurring from? I mean, for us, it's that we had one crazy month. It might have been say March or April when when it all kicked off. Mm. But I remember saying to the guys in the office, like, how much fucking music can someone eat? Honestly, <laughs> hey, have you been to my house? <laughs> Twelve months shelf life. So we had like a for us. Our business growth is kind of around 30-40% per annum. Yeah. Um, if we look at COVID, yeah, there was a crazy month, but I think the growth was still consistently the same because we had one crazy month, a couple of shit months, mm-hmm. and then I wouldn't have said we sold any more than we normally anticipated, but what I, what I would say is there's probably be more people thinking more around the foods they're eating for the body because yeah, this whole thing ma- made them think about themselves, their immune system. Mm-hmm. And what feeds your immune system is what you put in your body. So there's probably been a lot of lot of uh, minds shaped by that because um, fear. Fear yeah. made people make a lot of changes, whereas normally it's life, now. Nah, worries, fuck off, whatever, you get mm. on, do what you do. But this was something that was uh, unforeseen for everyone. And I used to love seeing the politicians trying to keep a straight face on television because they're shitting themselves as much as we were they had no fucking idea <laughs> so true and i think fear, fear was the biggest factor in everything that happened so it's it's nice to know that people were fearful and went to the cereal yeah. cupboard and uh, yeah. got some of the healthiest cereal probably on the shelf still today what was- what what i have noticed and it'd be good to get your thoughts on this is you were one of the first premium cereal brands a couple of years ago. Now I'm noticing more premium, good quality cereals. And even the price point of your cereal is $8, $9. That's now considered norm, whereas you were the ones that kind of blew the price point out from cornflakes. Are you noticing that the competition, even in supermarkets, is becoming a bit more uh, of a challenge for you? Not not necessarily, because I still don't rate the quality of the products. And I think what we did, remember when we went to the buyers ages ago, we were saying it was going to be 15 bucks, it was going to be 10 bucks. Yep. But now there's, they're, they're, they're labeling us best in category, which is where we are. So we sit at the kind of highest end <laughs> of the market. But you, you got to, I think any success is picked up by a company that's not made by people who give a shit about what's going in the bag. Yep. It's going to be short lived. And I've seen a lot of brands pop up at the $10 price point with a paleo granola, and it's just awful. It's like if you've ever eaten paleo granola and then you choose the other one, it's like, who made that? Honestly, who who created that product? And what tasting panel says that was all right to go to the market? Now, that's not everyone. Hmm. That's not everyone, but there is. I always think we're stronger together. So the more independence, and not, not the big guys, yeah. because the big guys just keep churning out stuff based on stats and data. We don't give a fuck about stats and data. We care about what we eat. Yeah. 
that's it, that's it. Flavour, whole foods, does it taste nice? Is it healthy? Then let's make it. Let's make it for people just like us. Whereas I appreciate some of the movements of the big guys in the marketplace to make those changes. It's a bit like the boutique beer market where all, all the big guys are jumping on, like funking up the labels and yep. da, 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 but it's, it's still mass-produced beer. Mm. So the, the, the savvy customer is very aware. So they look for labels, they look for ingredients, they look for relevance, they look for associations. Yeah, correct. And they, they, yeah. They, they look for the experience of the product. So what I would say, the positive note is, the fact that we've been given the opportunity by the retailers to create change at the higher end of the market is a wonderful thing because that will hopefully open up the door for other smaller independent brands to hopefully get a space on the shelf with the big guys where we can actually make a difference. I like because it. Because that's what I think. It's like, I think if you can, I know many people don't want to play with Coles and Woolies because they see them as the, the necessary evil, whatever. I don't share those beliefs. We've had a very good honest relationship with those guys as i have with all my independence and your independent business is still bigger than your major's business interesting that's so, that, yeah, yeah. What a, that and i'm glad because yes it was two years ago since we last spoke on this podcast but i think if anyone's listening you should go back to that episode because scott tells it how it is and even today you still tell it how it is and that's fascinating because I've, I've been there since day one, since you were in reception of the major supermarket. And it's, it's interesting to see this progression. And it's great to hear that the independence, like people always go, if you get into Coles, you've made it. But that's just telling one little piece of the puzzle, to be honest, one little yeah. piece of the story. Whereas you mentioned it before, the story, the origin, the quality ingredients that you use, you've not changed it because you've got into Coles. You've not changed anything no. about your brand. You've, you've kept the same honesty, the same approach and kind of went, well, it's my brand. This is how I do things. If you want to get on board, <laughs> you can get on board and support me, yeah. kind of thing, which I found absolutely fantastic that, yeah, you've not crumbled or you've not let go of any of your brand standards. No, absolutely not. But it's just, you don't have to change it. I mean, the reason why we got into those guys is because they believed in what we had and they mm. gave us a chance to, to do it for those purposes. I just think, it's, yes, you can make a lot more money in that $5 price, price bracket, but you're not really selling. For us, you're just selling a commodity yeah. with a few utensils attached to it. You might, you might call something honey cashew fucking almond, but I can guarantee you, if you're lucky to find a honey or a cashew and an almond in many of those products, you're a lucky bastard that's like winning the lottery because it's not really there. It's the 1.5% of that ingredient mm. is all that has to be there. Now, I get that people say, yeah, but that's that market. But I would say it doesn't have to be that bad. When you're posting fucking profits of 500 million, 300 million, surely you can give that person 3% almonds or 5% cashews. It's not that hard. It's not all about... It's not all about driving and squeezing the most amount of fucking money. Yes, it is when, when that's all you're thinking about. Yeah, correct. But for us as a business, we make products and then we work out the value afterwards. We do it the opposite because it's never about – if we were doing that, we would we would be in the same bracket. Everyone would be making yeah, a lot more money. Yeah, you're just it's another not, cereal not, brand then. Yeah, yeah it's, just, it's just not – I don't believe in that shit. It's like I just don't believe it. I just like when people are saying – the other one is like sourdough bread. What is sourdough? What there needs to be is legislation around what sourdough actually means because it's just one word banded around. For some people, it might mean it's 
24 hour leaven bread for someone yeah. that's mass produced yes it was a culture that was used there and it's it's still sourdough but the customer needs to know yeah kind of the level what sourdough actually is it's a good yeah, call and yeah and it's, it's just because big companies marketing people are great at jumping on this and saying oh we'll do our own market and i get it good on them but i don't think they're giving the community or the people anything better than than if they were eating fucking tip-top bread mm-hmm. because it's the same shit you're not allowing the the chemistry of the product to grow and develop and that takes time yes and that costs money but that's it that's what people buy the re- the, the rise of the artisan bread mover is because of those things and there's no reason why the big I man i can see like i've saw woolies i've got two ranges of like the sourdough breads in it and i buy them they're quite nice and it's clearly labeled 48 hours leaven yeah. bread uh, or, or fermented and i think that's the sort of shit i want to see and then there's other brands that just say oh, we're sourdough but it gives you nothing yeah so that is a it's yeah. an absolutely fantastic point and yeah it's it's again everything always seems to go back to that the education piece but a lot of people are educated on bullshit information because it's 100 it's, it's oh well, we can get these idiots um and we'll just plaster it all over claims marketing and stuff like that so i completely completely agree with you but, and then it has to be on the consumer to do their own research yeah. to then go oh fuck i've been conned all this time it's, it's and i get conned oh i get conned i get conned every time i try a new product because I get excited about the packaging, but then I pick it up and I reread it. I'm like, fucking hell. I, All that I, shit. I would hate to know how much money I've wasted on whether it's supplements, whether it's on just products, thinking, ah, oh, this is healthy or this, until I've actually read and educated myself and gone, ah, oh, what a waste of my money. I literally just had expensive piss for half my life because of the amount yeah. of supplements I was taking. Yeah. <laughs> so, Your body can't take it. Protein, 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 protein. Is that what? What my question always is: What is protein? Because I think when when I was a young dude, protein was protein, and that was it. That's all I knew. And I knew if you ate a banana, you get eight essential amino acids. But what what are they? What does that mean for me as a person? Correct. So I think nowadays there's many brands out there like telling the stories, but there's many big companies that just bullshit and they just. We're not a bullshit brand. We've kind of said that on our website. It's like, no bullshit. If we don't believe in it, we're not going to sell it. Yes, we could make money from it, but it's not really. I would rather go without and find something else to do than just bullshit my way around um, the retail space because it's just, I was always, we, me and Sally, we've been always against that from day mm-hmm. one, cutting through the bullshit and all the crap. No, I love it. I love it. And I want to talk then about the new products that, I'm hoping my uh, my two jars that I ordered yesterday are making their little happy way to Melbourne. You've now gone into Farmer Joe spreads, which yes. look incredible. And again, a point of difference. Like I looked on the ingredient uh, deck yesterday when I was on your website, and I was like, oh, these are going to taste incredible, and they're not full of shit. Tell me what made you go firstly in the spreads and how easy was it to create kind of that point of difference uh, for you're calling them granola butters or granola spreads. What's yeah, that, what, what, what was the go there? What was the uh, inspiration? Well, we saw we've seen the rise of the spread market. Now, I've, we've always been big fans of Asai 
with the peanut butters and the mueslis. And we've always been thinking around things like drizzle, because we always wanted to make some of our muesli into like a drizz, like a drizzle. <laughs> and we thought, you know what, if we go with the drizz, it's a, probably a bit too far. But people are buying spreads. They know what yep. fucking spreads is. It's, we're not reinventing the wheel. They've been done for years. We can just make them healthier. But I said, but look, we can't just go to the market and launch another peanut butter or another fucking cashew butter. We yep. can't do that. People don't recognize us for that. People recognize us for paleo granolas, granolas, that sort of stuff. So we thought, how do we take, how do we take elements of our product and make it spreadable? And we tried the old RoboCoop, which is like the big mixer. You blend the nuts and you blend it, and you blend it to try and get some texture. And then we added in some oats. We added, we tried to do oat-based ones, and we will do them. We found a way now to do them. Yeah, right. And we thought, how do we, and how do we get that consistency? Now, when we make muesli, it's always about trying to extract the the properties of the ingredient before we add anything to it. So many of our ingredients, we'll try and we've always perfected the way of roasting them, many of them individually, to try and get the flavour out before we process them and add honey or, or a bit of macadamia oil. Whereas with this, with this uh, concept, we tried many nut butter machines. We thought we can't get it, so we were roasting the nuts and roasting the coconut, and we wanted low sugar. So we wanted really low sugar, very minimal amounts. So we used a coconut sugar. And then we ended up finding a partner in Melbourne. They have this, um, like a, a chocolate machine. And by chocolate machine, it's like a big, if anyone's ever made chocolate, it's like a massive big vial with thousands of steel ball bearings. And you throw on the cacao and it gets bashed up. And then out comes your cocoa butter and your your, your chocolate oh. before, it's, before it's been added with any sugars and stuff. Yeah. And we thought, fuck, you know, if we could do that, if we could do that with nuts, if we could like take our ingredients, we dry roast them, <laughs> so we get them to that really crystallised flavour, chuck them in that machine, and then you've got to play it around with it. So they could. What happened is we dried many things and failed many times, but we found that four and a half hours in that machine, yeah, gets this liquid gold. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> and then, that, but, but it took maybe three, four, five months of. Um, playing because we've never done a product like that before so we're yeah. relying on the other person this was also during lockdown so we could only fly down certain times so it was all kind of done on phone on trials yeah but then we found, we found, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, would, we would roast all the ingredients send it down ask them to process it try something different and then we got something that actually works and then we thought well, what we're we going to call it we thought we can't so it's like a cashew coconut spread mm-hmm. we thought you know what people know us for paleo that's one of our biggest sellers. So let's call it paleo granola butter because we, we want to say things that breakfast became spreadable. That was the kind of whole tagline. Yep. It's like, if you're going to run out the door in the morning with a piece of toast, here you go, spread that on top of your toast. That's enough fat carb in there to to satisfy and sustain you for quite some time. I love it. Or you make it in your smoothie, you put it in your smoothie. Because we toyed around, did we just call it paleo butter? Yeah. Or do we call it vegan butter because it's plant-based, it's vegan, it's low sugar, it's gluten-free. There's many things we thought, what do we call it? And then the consensus was, you know what, we sell thousands and thousands of bags of paleo granola. That's what people know us for, and that's what people can add this to. So with that range, we'll call that paleo granola, yeah. and then we'll launch other ones and we'll call them granola spreads, and they'll be oat-based products. Ah. So they'll be a bit chunky, a bit crunchy. So... Exactly. They'll come out after these two, and um, so that was that took a lot of time. So we thought this is a product that you can have for breakfast. You can spoon it from the jar, just eat mm-hmm. it. You can satay it with it. Like cook with it. So if I'm like frying chicken and spice and garlic, yeah, I then sprinkle it all over the top of it. 
or if I get my kids' fruit, I sprinkle it with it and I freeze it so the kids can just eat it like a little toffee. Good idea. Mate, when it, the kids eat it, it looks incredible. It, it looks like whoever did your photography to sell it looks incredible and I can't wait for it to arrive because cereal and spreads just give I could happily live off that and these look like a little game changer in the spread world <laughs> so well done happily happily ever after and uh-huh. we've had a lot of interest in it so um, we are going to get it in uh, a few places but the um we didn't want also it does separate like all nut butters that separate so you just got to give it a little mix you Many of the big brands put in some yeah, uh, emulsifiers or whatever to not separate it, but we thought, you know what, it's natural, just mix it up and then um, and spread it. Spread it, spoon it, cover your partner in it, do what you like with it. <laughs> Mate, absolutely love it. Do you think you will just sit on these spreads now for a little while, get them out into the market, build the cereal up, or are you now got the excitement to then go, where else can we play in? Like, what's the future for, well, absolutely. let's We're say, just... in two years' time when hopefully um, you get a bit more tech um, savvy and we can not Skype and actually use a platform that uh, is usable. But, um, in two years' time, where do you want to see Farmer Joe being? Well, like I said, we don't we don't stand still because we've got so many. We're going to launch um, RTD breakfast drinks, so we've got a version of that sanitarium up and go, but awesome. a healthy version. So we've got them coming out. We've got breakfast biscuits, but the healthy version of the Belvita breakfast biscuit using your nut butters yep. in the middle of the biscuit. Oh. We've got them coming out. We've got um, we've got a range of cones for kids, like uh, snacks, snacks um little little snacky things we've got a yeah. whole a whole range of them and we hope to do them this year so we found the partners we took covid we took the time to find these people um and now we want to bring these things to the market so getting the snacking space getting that breakfast space we're just launched now this month we've launched a range of um a salted cashew keto granola in the woolies it's an exclusive one just for them yeah right but within that space we've just launched espresso keto granolas uh, and a maple espresso granola for another big, big Costco. They've got it. So we're going to diversify and build out that whole well-being space, that play where it's whole foods, it's gluten-free. We've got really going to focus on the gluten-free, plant-based, yeah. vegan, low sugar. And that will also encompass paleo, keto. We're going to move away from probiotic. Yeah, okay. And we're going, to, we're going to work closer towards prebiotics and dietary insoluble fibers just because um part of me thinks it's a crock of shit but part of me still believes it so we've, <laughs> yeah. we've got what we've got one product in the marketplace where that product is there we're not going to launch any other pro, probiotic space products we were going to launch some functional mushrooms so yep. using reshe shagger we've got them on our mind but again yeah, yeah. That, to get, that's, to that's get, an interesting space isn't it it's a big space and it's a growing space and there'll be more of it like we we might well launch it in its individual packs but we were trying to add it to like that chocolate spread we were going to do we were going to do that with lines main yeah but just to, to get to get enough in there to be functional as opposed to just a marketing claim yeah we, we weren't we weren't satisfied that we could get enough in there and be competitive and make the customers still want to buy it so we're going to launch them separately we'll bring them out as a separate thing Sounds uh, and, um, it, it sounds like you're going to be busy. <laughs> and, we are. Uh, but we, 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 10 years, 
we've been ten years um, ten years old in June, and now it's a case of just let's we've been just always struggling to get things to the market because we're strapped for cash. There's a limited amount of people in the business, but now by making that change to innovation, what we're looking at is many things in the marketplace where we want to deconstruct them and yeah. reconstruct them in our way. So we want to look at products that have been sold for the last 50 years that we would call as average or shit. Yeah. And we want, to, we want to deconstruct that product and then reconstruct it using the right uh, whole food, nutrition, flavor, and make it desirable. I love it. That's the fun part we've got. There's a lot of stuff there that we've all... We all have nostalgic feeling about, mm-hmm. but it's not really healthy. So I want to have a crack. I want to ask a question based off, and you mentioned like you've you've been smashing away at this for ten years, and you posted on LinkedIn kind of your first little car that you bought for six thousand, which I actually was going, I'd love one of them. Yeah, that would great. Now, would you say because you're getting momentum, the brand awareness has grown, and you you you're tapping into these new areas in the supermarket and in kind of um, snacking world. Is it becoming easier to grow now you've got a name than it was five years ago, six years ago, seven years ago, or even when you started? Or do you find it's more harder? It's harder to do business because you are bigger. What's your views on that? No, I would say it's a lot easier. But what, what I would say, I think, like, launching a product into, irrespective of how strong your brand is, like, if we launch a product, one of the biggest learnings, when we went to Coles and Woolies, mm. I was expecting shitloads of sales. I'm like, fucking millions. Yeah. No, absolutely not. We were, we were, like, smaller than the average corner store, per store. Yeah. And I always remember the buyer telling me, he said, Scotty, don't forget the naivety of your customers. He goes, when they come to your shop, they know what they're going to buy nine times out of ten. They know where it is. They know where it costs. He said, so for you to stand out in a woolly store, he goes, you really got to do something, either price or whatever. Yep. And I kind of didn't, didn't accept what he said, but the number spoke for itself. Whereas that when you get to, say, an independent store, say, let's say a Harris Farm, Ranger yep. stores, whatever, customers are more your grazing customer. They're very open and receptive to new things. But it's a very different shopping. Um, yeah, okay. It's a very shopping experience. Or you go to like an, some of the big IGAs, like the super IGAs, the really well designed ones. Yeah. If you, you go there yourself and you observe yourself, like, you yeah. see people gra- gra- people graze. It's an They're experience. Yeah. People yeah. enjoy going there for yeah. the newness, correct? Yeah. So like, now we've been in, let's say, Woolies and Coles for like maybe two and a bit years, whatever. So we're now seeing like, so one of our paleo products. It's one. It's the best seller in that space in the cereal aisle. And one of the things that the the, the, the buyers were saying was because that product, it goes our data states that no one interacts with any other brands when they come and buy that product. Yeah, that, right. That's your thing. So we thought, you know what? That's that's the sort of shit we've got to listen to. Yeah. If customers okay. are looking for us just for that, that's we've got to build that out more. Not just in them with, with the majors, but with everything we do. So we're building out now to like to get eight within that good range, which is a more accessible range of your uh, gluten-free products, but healthy. Because I think what again that word gluten-free. What is gluten-free? Gluten-free can just be sugar and rice flour. Yeah, so correct. people need to keep that in mind. It might look gluten sell as gluten-free, but if it's three bucks, it's just fucking sugar. 
don't touch it because it's just it's it's really about what is gluten free and gluten free for us is still delivering nutrition, health yeah. and well being, taste and flavour. That's your version of gluten free, so we want to build that out, but make that to bring it to a much more accessible market, and we can do that now because we are slightly bigger. We can take a little hit when we do a price promotion to kind of go from the $8 space to the $6 point, which is like a dollar above a Carmen's or in that Carmen space, but be confident enough that we know our product is a far superior product than that one. So it's a bit like kind of chipping away, like trying to trying to bring people forward because someone's um, idea of gluten-free might not well be yours. So we, we, we the only way sometimes to get them to try it is to bring a price level down to to where they are and offer them a hand and try and step them through it because a dollar or two dollars is fucking nothing if you think nothing. of the people, amount of, people go to a, oh, the amount of money that people waste <laughs> 15 dollars for a bacon and egg roll for fuck's sake come on it's like it's not that hard to spend 10 dollars on a bag of muesli that's going to look after your fucking week mate I, I think you said this uh to me several years ago where and it's it stayed in my head and i've mentioned it in a podcast uh, later on and you look at cereal and the average box of cereal yeah costs three dollars 350 yours costs uh eight nine ten dollars but you split that up over the amount of serves if you're if you're talking about me that's two serves a box but if you're looking at the average person, <laughs> it might be four five six serves even eight serves whatever that's about 50 cents per serve. When yeah. in your day do you go, oh, I'm just going out for a meal for 50 cents? You can't even get the yeah. McDonald's hamburger for 50 cents when they do the deals. Like, yeah. But people moan that, oh, cereal's expensive when you put the uh, nice ingredients in and the healthy mm-hmm. stuff. And it's like uh, there's a connotation that good cereal, like cereal should be cheap. And everything yeah. else, <laughs> and it's it's true. You go for eggs on toast with a coffee. You you you're not going to get any change from twenty dollars, twenty five dollars, yeah. and that lasted thirty minutes. So I, yeah. I love what you're doing in this space. And as you know, I've been a fan since uh, since day one, since we first uh, spoke. And I just love that you're growing. And I'm just intrigued to see how much disruption you can cause. Because I think there's a lot of staleness out there and people have just, the bigger companies and the people that are behind some of the brands just think that they're entitled to that space. And lo and behold, her Scotty and Sally are coming to uh, disrupt the market. Hey everyone, it's me, Ben. Sorry you've got to hear my voice. What happened after this part of the show, Skype actually uh, disconnected the recording aspect of the show and yeah kind of lost scotty after this and they didn't even let me know so apologies if you're enjoying that show myself and scotty talked for another five ten minutes before i actually had to uh let him go and it's always good to hear from scott i just love what these guys are doing disrupting the market and just being real and not letting their values go so always appreciate your time scott thank you very much if anyone has any feedback or questions Please shout out, send me a message, and I look forward to uh, bringing more guests back on the podcast so you don't just have to listen to my voice. And this time, we'll make sure we use the right recording software. So, hope everyone's well. Thanks for tuning in, as always, and speak soon, guys. Bye-bye. 
Hold on, guys. Before you hit stop, don't forget to check out doggylicious.com.au and order some doggy products today. Use Retail Ready for 10% off. We hope you enjoyed the show.